You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 429. In this episode, I talk to Natalie Sisson about her latest book, Suck It Up, Princess, and how you can get over yourself and achieve all your goals. Today, I speak with Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, three times best-selling author, speaker, and host of the Untapped podcast. After quitting her successful corporate career, Natalie turned her blog into a multiple six-figure education platform known as the Suitcase Entrepreneur. Now, no longer a digital nomad, but a farm owner in New Zealand and an expecting mom, she's on a mission to help 1,000 women earn 10,000 per month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes they care about. In this episode, we talk about Natalie's latest book, Suck It Up Princess, and how you can get over yourself and achieve all your goals. Do you want to get a copy of the book, Suck It Up Princess? All you have to do is to leave a review for this episode on Apple Podcasts, send us a screenshot of a review and your address to info at sigrun.com, and we'll send you a copy of the book. Go to the show notes at sigrun.com forward slash 429, where you will find all the links to Natalie Sisson and her latest book. I'm so excited to be here with my friend, Natalie Sisson. We are in totally different parts of the world. 12-hour difference exactly. I'm in Reykjavik, Iceland, and you are in Wellington, New Zealand. So it's fantastic that we're still able to connect. It's 8.30 a.m. for me. So if everyone, anyone knows me, it's not my favorite time, but it's also quite late for Natalie, who is pregnant right now. So 8.30 in the evening is, is uh, you know, is it okay for you, energy-wise? Yeah, it's good. I had a little bit of, um, I've been eating super healthy, but I had a little bit of chocolate mousse. So we'll see if that works. <laughs> that was a treat. <laughs> so you have just brought out a book called Suck It Up, Princess. And the title itself makes you very curious of what the topic of the book is. But since I know Natalie, I knew it was something about business or life or, you know, moving forward. Um and we want to talk about the book, but this is not your first book. Mm. So can you talk about how this book is somehow different from your other books and how you have, let's say, developed as an author? Mm. You say that? Yeah, I'd like to think so. It's so different from my first two books, which you probably know. So the, the first two books were definitely business books. Um, the Suitcase Entrepreneur was for all the digital nomads wanting to break free from the nine to five, start an online business and travel the world. And it was a very um, heavy book in terms of tools, tactics, strategies, case studies. The second book, The Freedom Plan, was kind of the next step up. So how do you work less, earn more, and um, have more freedom? So it was always a freedom theme. And that was, again, quite, um, you know, it was a real framework that I had there, this kind of three-step framework as part of a program that I ran. And, again, heavy on the tools, the strategy, advice, tips, and so when it came to writing this book, it's actually part personal memoir, part self-help, and a really much more of a motivational pep talk, um, kind of like a friend-to-friend -friend guide that you can just pick up at any point with no structure. You don't need to read it from start to finish. And um, it just should be like a motivational pep talk or just something that can help you through something or a lot of storytelling in it. 
So it was actually really fun to write. There are no tools in the book. There's no references. I really just wanted it to be easy to read, but also to give people that motivation on that kick or um, something that they could take away tangibly and go, okay, I've got this today, or I really needed to hear that, um, or I'm on the right track, or maybe just laugh, cry at my expense. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I read the book. Uh, thank you for the advanced copy. Uh, I felt uh, I got to know you a lot better in this book. So do you feel this is somehow part of your personal development that you were able to write a book like this now versus a few years ago when you were more focused on the tools and the how-tos? Yeah, I realized I didn't answer that. Definitely. It is quite a personal book and it's quite raw and it's very honest in places. And I know uh, one of my friends said, oh, Natalie, I didn't know that about, you know, there's a section there about romance on the road and they're like, ooh. Um, and I'm kind of, I think maybe you get to that age. I'm 44 now. And I was like, hmm. I'm happy to tell some of those stories. I've had some grand experiences and amazing life experiences and some things that I'm proud of and not so proud of and some screw-ups and awesome accomplishments. And I just think all of that makes you who you are. And I'm all about embracing who you are and helping you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. So it was really fun to share some of those stories like cycling down Africa or body sculpting and, and silly, like stuff that is a different part of me, as you said, not all business and travel. Um and I think it, it was quite difficult in that respect to write initially because I was like, how much, how open do I want to be? How honest, how raw, like, is this going to, you know, you never know how is this going to land with people. Um, but I actually really enjoyed the experience. It's quite cathartic. I actually highly recommend if somebody wants to write a book or even just for their own purposes to to write it at any stage of your life and reflect back on those moments that made you or that defined you or that, made you more resilient or that brought out your best or maybe sometimes your worst and and what it taught you after. So, mm. yeah, it was actually a very cathartic yeah. journey. So I was following you, you know, what, 2012? When did The Suitcase Entrepreneur come out? Two, 2004, 13, the book came out, but I had the brand since 2010. This has been like over a decade and uh, in some ways – you're obviously the same person, but in other ways, you're not. Can you share how you're no longer the nomad entrepreneur? Quite the opposite, uh, having a baby, two dogs and a farm in New Zealand. How? Why? <laughs> I know. It's such a 180 degree flip from when we met and knew each other. Um yeah, I, I think just growth, right? Like different stages of life. There's, I think there is a time limit to being a digital nomad, if I'm really honest. And a lot of my digital nomad friends at the time are now also buying houses, settling down, um, maybe not quite as much as me, but I think there's sort of a time limit to that nomadic way of life, that full-on adventure, the constant change, the constant moving. Um, and I look back now and some people used to say, you're crazy, that must be exhausting. And I was like, no, it's great. And then you get a little older and you're like, yeah, actually it's, it, <laughs> it might be nice to slow down, especially at the manic pace that I was doing it. Um, but I would say, and I, I have written about this in the, in the book about rebranding yourself a bit like Madonna, because it was a really hard time when I got back to New Zealand, I wanted to be here to build community in person. I felt like coming home because my my dad had got sick and I think it just prioritized for me being closer to family. I'd been away for over a decade. And 
um, it was a real, as you said, like just going from this super casual, carefree, um, you know, suitcase to my life kind of person to finding this amazing partner, buying this big house that fitted like 10,000 of my suitcases and finding myself at home with this new puppy and suddenly going, oh my God, I'm like a stay-at-home mum. How did I How did I get from freedompreneur to this? And just having this real realisation moment of, oh, I can't do this or I remember saying to my partner at the time, because he said, oh, I love this place. It's a different house to where we're in now, but one valley over. And he said, how long do you think you want to live here, Nat? He said, I'm thinking, you know, 10 years. And I was like, uh, three months, because I hadn't thought ahead three months for so long. And he just looked at me like, what? And now we're in this beautiful new place with more land and more trees. And I definitely see this as, you know, decade, which is crazy for me. I'm like, oh, I just want to be here. So it was a real um, shock to the system and something that took at least 18 months for me to actually really acclimatize. And I, I know I'm not alone in that. So I think that in itself is something really important to your growth and, uh, and just finding out who you really are and what makes you tick when the sense of your identity, which was for me so tied up in the suitcase entrepreneur, you kind of remove it, which I did. Um, what, what are you left with? It really got me very introspective and thinking deeply. And on one hand, you have this internal growth and, and let's say acceptance and, and, and moving on, but also your brand, you know, if people know you as one thing and suddenly you're a different one, uh, you know, that takes time to, to people. They, many people just want to have you the way you were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, who is Sigrun if she's not Sigrun? And I, but I think a lot comes out of that, right? Like it takes lady balls, as I like to call it, to do that and courage to step away from something you've put your heart and soul into and get out of that comfort zone and take the next step. Um, it does. It takes that. And, you know, now it's really cool because one thing I didn't appreciate is you might lose some people in that space who are like, oh, you're not doing that anymore. Um, but there's still people who are like, just know me as that. And then there's all these other people that you open up to because I realized when I was a digital nomad, there were a lot of people who couldn't relate. They're like, that looks great. I'll live vicariously through you, but I don't understand what you're really doing. You're a bit crazy. You don't have kids. You don't have, you know, it's it, now I feel I relate more to other people, especially coming into this new stage of being a mama. It's a whole other audience, you know, that you open yourself up to. So I think there's always pros and cons, right, when you make changes. And most importantly is to make sure you feel aligned with what you're doing and don't make decisions on behalf of other people. Do it for yourself. Absolutely. So coming back to the book, Suck It Up, Princess. That's quite a ballsy title. <laughs> Can you explain the title and, and, and the concept of the book? Like what, what made you want to write it? It is a ballsy title and it's so not, well, I mean, I can be ballsy, but it was probably pr pretty much out there for me. It's something very much that down under we we say, suck it up, buttercup. Um, there's ruder versions as well, which I won't say. Um, but to me, it's kind of like, it's a real, you know, statement piece. Sometimes you need to actually jolt yourself out of being in a funk or being upset or being in the doldrums. And then there's other times where you need massive amounts of self-compassion. So how the book title came about and I do talk about this in the first chapter is I was literally having this down day which I don't have many of and I was just in a funk for no reason I had everything to be grateful for and I was like in a park with my dogs in the rain crying going what is the matter with you like why why have you been in this funk for several weeks and uh, I'm like 
feeling a bit sorry for myself. And then out of nowhere, honestly, this internal voice so loud and clear, which was clearly me, but like really gave me a hiding. And it just said, oh, suck it up, princess. And I just remember being like, wow, did I just say that to myself? Like, who is, how rude. And then I remember just laughing because I was like, that's totally what I need to do. Like there is literally, what are you moping about? There wasn't anything. Had there been something, I might've been more compassionate. But in that moment, I was like, that's exactly what I need to do. And so I wouldn't recommend it, but I, I told a friend later that day and they said, they said, that's such a great book title. And I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> so then I had to reverse engineer writing a book to fit the title. But in some ways that was a really cool challenge because then I had to go deeper into well, what is Suck It Up Princess? What's the phrase? Where did it come from? Turns out it is used a lot, you know, in Australia, New Zealand, UK. And, and what does it mean? And it's actually, I was speaking to a, a psychologist uh, who was on my podcast and he said it's actually a, a device that we sometimes use as psychologists if we're not having a breakthrough with the client. Sometimes we actually have to get them to use that tool on themselves um, to show a bit of tough love or, you know, in some ways you're being more compassionate to yourself by calling yourself on things, take responsibility, take action, like get over it, maybe stop dwelling on things. So I was quite intrigued by that, but definitely I reverse engineered the book title <laughs> to write the book. And that was a cool, um, challenge and adventure to think about well what is what does it mean to live life on your own terms and to be your best self to get over yourself get past the excuses of something that you don't ever seem to have any of you know to take action and really move towards what you want in life rather than being held back by fears and inner critics and all those things and that's really what we're talking about here like get over yourself like I am a huge fan of tough love uh anyone who's worked with me <laughs> has gotten a touch of that uh Sometimes I seem to scare people. I don't understand why. Um, but it's because I'm direct and I just, I I have a hard time tolerating excuses, uh, especially when I feel it's excuses, you know. I was recently sick for several weeks and I don't think that's an excuse. You know, you can honestly be sick and, and are not able to work. But in many times we're just, I don't know, we're just, trying to come up with some excuses because we don't want to move forward or what is it like do you have some tools or steps as an advice for those who find themselves in that situation yeah I mean there are definitely times of self-compassion right and 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 going easy on yourself but I'm about the same as you my mum's German and she's always been super direct and I think there's something really empowering about being direct with yourself and taking control and responsibility for how you're feeling and steps you can take and the biggest thing that seems so simple is just taking one small action step towards what you want. It doesn't have to be big, but just, just taking action and getting out of the doldrums or, you know, getting out of your head and just going, okay, I'm just going to do this one thing today. Maybe it's write one email. Maybe it's make one call. Maybe it's do one five-minute yoga class. Um, it just, just being in a state of taking action and making a positive step is something that gets you out of almost anything within reason. If you have clinical depression or, you know, I'm not talking about that. It's not my area of expertise. But but for most of us, I do think we have become a bit soft and we have um, become a little entitled, which is why princess is in the title. Um, you know, because when people think about princesses, they are often a little entitled. And I think we need to do a better job of being our own um, motivator, of being our own North Star, of being our own permission slip. And I do think that, you know, even looking at COVID and how some people handled that, notwithstanding the trauma and 
loss and everything that some people were just like oh my gosh I can't believe I have to be at home all day every day and you know I can only zoom with people and watch Netflix and I was like think about the people who've been through previous pandemics who had no outside contact with the world no mail family were dying around they didn't know they were all by themselves um you know such hardship and they weren't well we don't know but I'm pretty sure they weren't sitting around feeling sorry for themselves so it's slightly different but I do think in some ways we've become a little soft with all the access we have to everything these days um and I think it's really good to develop resilience and inner strength and courage and responsibility for your actions and feelings yeah and, uh, you know, dose of positive attitude, I would say, too, like uh, I've been in several quarantines for the last months uh, because I live uh, since a few months in Iceland, but my husband is in Switzerland and he comes and visits. So every time he comes for a visit, we together go in a five day quarantine and I don't feel sorry for myself. I'm actually I'm like, uh, I'm looking forward to five days and I cannot go anywhere and I'm just with my husband. Of course, we go out for a walk, but that's it. Uh, and then other people are like, oh, I have to be in quarantine. That's so bad. I'm like, it's all about how you look at it. Yeah. It's maybe a privilege. Yeah. I mean, if you, for people who have been in lockdown for a whole year, I, I feel for them. Over in New Zealand, we're like free. It's amazing. Um, well, we are now. And I know some people sometimes go, oh, normalcy or, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, yeah, we are really, really lucky. Um, but we also chose to be a team of 5 million and, you know, nip it in the bud. We are a small island, so we have advantages. Um, but still, we we made a really concerted effort. We were hard from the beginning. We were really strict and it paid off. Um, and now we're just opening up the bubble here. And I'm curious to see, for sure, we're going to have lapses, right? So people are going to have to probably suck it up again and go, oh, just when we had that freedom to travel, we have to go back. But I think you need, just need to be prepared for that. And um some people are doing it harder for sure, which is why I'm very grateful to be here. But also with it has become come so many opportunities. I'm sure you've seen lots of your clients and a lot of mine have had their best year in business yet. They've had um, they've prioritized their family and relationships over and above anything. They've re-looked at their life and figured out what's important to them. So all of these things might not have happened had we been forced to slow down and take a really good hard look at what we've got. Yeah, and that's where I feel your book and your concept comes so well into play. Uh, I think it's a part of like, it's not the tactics and the tools. It's really like, you know, how do we feel, how we take responsibility and how do we just move forward with whatever we have got right now? Yeah, and lots of life experience and advice and, you know, there are strategies and tools in there for you to use, but it's kind of in a way that you can take them on board and how you want to use them and when you need them as well, which I think is really cool. Um, it's less prescriptive. It's more like here's what worked and here's what I know works for others and here's how you can apply it. So whatever mood you're in or whatever place you're in, you know, reach into it, grab a chapter and just dive in and just feel better about yourself or feel like you've got some sort of positive action you can take to move forward. There was a lot of uh, sport <laughs> mentioned in your book. <laughs> can you talk about that? Because, you know, we're Facebook friends and I know you do sports, but I wasn't aware that it goes way back and all the things that you have done. <laughs> so <laughs> can you talk about your passion for sports? Yeah, I love sport. I, I think just ever since I was a kid, I've enjoyed um, being in team sports, competing, 
pushing myself. And I think it's a big part of what's made my character. And I, it wasn't until I wrote the book, Sigrun, actually, that I realized how much it's informed my life, how much it's helped me to be disciplined, to be spirited, to push through your boundaries, to um, not accept limits that are placed on you. And I think it was really cool to write the book because in some ways I thought, oh, if I lost a little bit of that or do I need to bring a bit of that back into my life? Or, oh, wow, I forgot that I achieved that. That's pretty cool. I should celebrate that. You know, I'm all about celebrating the small wins and the big wins. So sport has been huge for me and especially, for example, triathlons and ultimate frisbee. I think the reason why people in, are particularly drawn to something like the Ironman, which just seems ludicrous to most people, this crazy race um i'm just trying to remember the metrics now but it's like a 3k swim 180k bike and a marathon which i haven't done i've done the half but there's a certain thing that comes out in you when you push yourself that much when you stretch yourself to limits when you go through the boundaries of you know i can't do this anymore and realize your body is far more capable than you think it's usually your mind so i know a lot of entrepreneurs who are athletes because it really makes you resilient it really pushes you in ways that you don't realize and then you can apply that in your business and your life and just see what you're capable of which is usually far more than you're even giving yourself just you know just desserts for right now so I think that's why I love sports so much plus um, when you're traveling the world you just have an instant community of like-minded people who love it as well and that is something I'm really grateful for especially in my travels that wherever I went I found my frisbee community because they're very much community all about the spirit and I'm super grateful for that. I've got some amazing friends around the world because we're brought together by this team camaraderie and love for the sport. Plus it's moving your body. It's keeping strong. Um, it's thinking strategically. It's looking for tactics. There's so much involved in it. Um, that's why I love it, I think. Yeah. It was very inspiring, even if I'm not an athlete. Uh, <laughs> I would even say I'm an anti-sport person. Maybe that's not a good thing to say because you're supposed to move. But uh, I still saw this, uh, you know, thing combined, you know, suck it up princess, you know, connected with sports and what we're able to do. So I have asthma and I even didn't have to do sports in school. So I think, mm. I guess that's a little bit related and why I started to resent sports in some ways. I also couldn't stand on my head as a child so I guess I was just then like oh then sports is not for me but uh you can push yourself and in 2007 I run a 10k under 60 minutes and I'm awesome. still today proud of it yeah that's a really <laughs> and it good just result. shows it just shows that you know despite my asthma despite my anti-sport <laughs> attitude I just wanted to prove to myself mm. but then I stopped running it's something about actually having a goal and, you know, wanting to achieve something. So I guess that's a part of it too. So I might do it again. You know what? You're so right on the goal thing because you know, I didn't like running either until I started training for triathlons. I had a real love-hate relationship. But when you have an end date in mind, like an event or a, yeah, an event, it's so much easier to work backwards from that and train in increments and get better and stronger and start to once you start to see the results, it's really inspiring. And it's very much like business, right? Like you set this big goal and then you work backwards from it to the small steps of what you need to do today. Without those goals, even if they move or if they change or morph, you don't have the drive. You don't have the momentum or that North Star to go for. And I think that's why it translates so well with, with sports, even if it's something small and you, or dancing or whatever it may be. So I think you can really use the parallels there and to your advantage. 
Absolutely. And yeah. as you said, suck it up, princess, or get over yourself is about that first little step. Step. Yeah. I don't know why we complicate yeah. it so much. I'm sure you talk about that in your coaching as well. Like have the big dream, but start with the small thing today. Um, you know, start with the five minutes of yoga, start with the one press up, um, take the one step, get up, make the one contact with somebody, go to one event, try the first language in a different, you know, like try speaking this line in the first language. It's not your first language. It's all these little things. And suddenly before you know it, you've rolled into three months, six months, and you're feeling more confident. And it's, you look back, if I think back to when I first started my business, I didn't know what an email provider was and how to create a blog post. I didn't know what interviews. And then you look back a year later and you're like, oh, it's just so easy. Like all of, so I always telling my clients, like, I know this seems hard right now, but you're learning something new. And so many people pull out of learning something new too early because as we get older, we think we should know it or it should come easy. But if you think about how long it took you to learn to drive or when you're a kid, how long it took you to learn to walk. And I think we don't allow ourselves to, be in that uncomfortable space of learning and growing as much as we used to. Um, we want everything now rather than embracing, okay, this is going to suck for a while, literally, and then and then I'm going to be awesome at it and then I'm going to get better and then it's going to be easy and then I can teach others and I can make a difference in their lives. Absolutely. That's a perfect final sentence <laughs> to uh, learning all about how to get over yourself and uh I highly recommend people get the book, Suck It Up Princess. I am assuming you get it on Amazon or Amazon, anywhere else Amazon you can Nobles. get books. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a pretty Perfect. unique title, we'll so up. hopefully <laughs> they'll find Exactly. It. There's no one else with the same title and we'll link it up in the show notes for you, for your ease. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Natalie. This was not your first time and it will not be your last time either. And thank you so much for genuinely reading my book and giving me feedback and enjoying it. It was such a delight to see that you did. I mean, it's just such an honor as an author. So thank you. Do you want to get your hands on a copy of Natalie Sisson's latest book, Suck It Up Princess? All you have to do is to leave a review for this episode on Apple Podcasts, send us a screenshot of your review and your address to info at sigrun.com and we'll send you a copy of the book. Go to the show notes at sigrun.com forward slash 429 where you will find all the links to Natalie Sisson and her latest book. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'll see you in the next one.